You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. So last week, Pastor Esther shared, who is the Holy Spirit? And importantly, it's important we catch that it's not what is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force um, or some... um, abstract kind of concept or idea, but actually a person to be known and to walk with. And the early church would have understood this. They would have understood that he is not just a creed that they professed. He wasn't a belief or something they just read about, but actually he was the person of the Godhead that enabled, empowered, and energized the early church. They walked in the reality of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Son, as he left earth, we looked last week, he sent the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the paraclete, the friend to walk with us. And we can know this for ourselves. You know, um, my journey has been very interesting in understanding and getting to know the Holy Spirit. And uh, I can't go fully into detail um, now because I haven't got the time to talk about my story and my family's story, but I came to church when I was about six or seven. And um, my mom started coming to church because she wanted to get my sister into a good school, but she had a radical encounter with Jesus, which is amazing. Um, We won't go there. But when I was six or seven, I had this kind of idea of like this three-in-one God. And I had an idea of God the Father, who was just like a bearded bloke in heaven. So we've got God the Father, then I've got the Son, and really in my head, the Son was just a little baby. So we've got the son, baby Jesus, uh, the theology of a seven-year-old. And the spirit, for me, the spirit was a bird. The spirit, we had a Sunday school session about Jesus' baptism, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And I thought, wow, the Holy Spirit is a bird. I used to walk around and see pigeons and think, maybe that's the Holy Spirit. I'm joking. I was uh, doing some research um, into this whole idea of the presence manifesting, the presence of God and the Spirit of God manifesting itself as a dove. And one of the questions Google always pulls up some trumps. Uh, one of the questions that someone asked is, are Christians allowed to eat doves? Uh, really, really interesting. They were scared. They didn't want to eat the Holy Spirit. So uh, bless that person. Just know that the Holy Spirit is just that. He is a spirit, but sometimes he chooses to manifest himself in different forms. So I began this journey, that was my seven-year-old theology, and uh, I started coming to this church, which was where the car park is now, we're in the new building since then, and I was about 12 years of age, and I remember like the youth group was all fine and dandy, then I walked in on a Sunday, oh my goodness, I thought everyone is crazy, everyone is crazy, what is going on, what can they see or understand that I don't understand? They were singing in the spirit, they were talking, they were praying about the spirit, they were saying about praying in the spirit, I was like, what is going on? People were lifting their hands. That was too much for me. I'm like, no thanks. And some of you, you might have that experience too. You come in and it all feels a bit intense. But what I could not deny was that the presence of God was there. Something was different. Something just was was birthed in my heart that thought, I need to know this God. I want to know what these people are singing about. I want to walk in the power of the Spirit. I want to be able to pray and sing in the Spirit. Because someone, they're engaged in a way that I've never been engaged with God. And I continued on this journey, and the first time really had an encounter and a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit was at Soul Survivor. 
And Soul Survivor is, a, is an annual summer camp and thousands of young people go. We still take our young people to this day. And last, next year is Soul Survivor's last year. And we'll be taking a trip, which would be great. And I went probably when I was around 13 or 14. And Mike Pilavachi, who leads that ministry, he's fantastic. He, one of his passions is about seeing people walk naturally in the supernatural, about demystifying some things um, and concepts that we might have. And he was doing a sermon on speaking in tongues, uh, praying in the spirit. And Pastor Martin's got the job of unpacking that a little bit more next week. And I remember hearing this, and I was like, I, I want this for myself. But he said, you know, some people, they can fake it if you want. You can fake speaking in tongues. He said... Love it. He's, he's funny. He said, if you say, can a man die, shall a man die, fast enough, sounds like you're speaking in tongues. Try it. Can a man die, shall a man die. Um, <laughs> right? He said, if you're feeling really, really fancy, you want to impress someone in your prayer circle, at the end of can a man die, shall a man die, add, see a man on a Honda. Ho, oh, oh. Can a man die, shall a man die, see a man on a Honda. <laughs> it works. And so he, he demystified some of this for us, but he said this, this is a reality. It doesn't have to be fake. You can walk in the reality. This is a gift for all believers, and the Holy Spirit will enable us to speak in tongues. So I went forward, responded. I was like, yes, God, I want this. One of my friends got filled, man. They were going for it, speaking in tongues. It was, it was powerful. They weren't faking it. They were, they were going for it. My other friend next to me was waking gurgling noises, and at one point went, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> I heard them at the old school literally say that. And in that moment, I didn't get filled, but what stirred inside of me was a desire and a hunger. And I pursued God. I pursued the Spirit in my personal life. And I, I experienced something in my own bedroom in the pursuit of God where I was filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and began speaking in tongues. And it changed my personal life. And I encourage you, make sure you're here next week as Pastor Martin unpacks that a little bit more. This God is not just one to be heard of, but through the Spirit, he can be experienced, and we can know him. So last week, we looked at who the Holy Spirit is, and the question I want to ask us this week is, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Today, I want to give us an overview of the Holy Spirit's work in us. This is an overview, just some brief stops, and over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack some of these ideas a little bit more. But the truth is, this is massive. What does the Holy Spirit do? This is huge. Everything we do on this earth as followers of Jesus Christ involves the Holy Spirit. The way that we think, the way that we act according to the Spirit, it is by the Spirit that we live and breathe and have our being. It is through the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live and function in everything we are called to be and do and think as a Christian. I love what Tozer said, the Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Wow, it is for all. It's not that we just have a special Pentecostal edition of Christianity. It is God's design for all believers to know the person of the Holy Spirit and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason this whole series is called Empowered is because we believe and we understand that we walk empowered by the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Every Christian needs this. Every Christian needs it. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, that cannot be devoid of the Holy Spirit. 
Some of us, we can be intimidated by this and thinking about the Holy Spirit. But I encourage you, let this hunger and this desire grow. Continue to pursue because there are incredible things on the other side of our fear and our misunderstanding. Incredible things. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. At every portion and juncture of our life, the Holy Spirit is there. But the truth is, even before we are Christians, we read in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is already at work. In John 16, verse 8, it says this. This is Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Spirit is at work in the world to convince us of God's truth and convict us of our sin. The Spirit is at work to testify that we are separate from God, that we are dead in our transgressions. He's already working on the human heart before we even profess Jesus Christ as Lord, which is something we can only do by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work and showing us that we are separate, that there is something more, that there is, there is more to this life. He is the Spirit of truth and he leads us into all truth. Before you ever said Jesus Christ is Lord, the Holy Spirit was at work in your heart. The Holy Spirit is responding to the will of the Father and responding to the prayers of the saints. And I want to encourage you, if you've got non-believing work, uh, friends or colleagues or just family members, continue to pray for them. The Spirit will be at work and the Spirit will lead them or do something or drop something in their mind or give them a dream and do something that would have taken you 15 years to try and convince, but it takes the Holy Spirit a moment. He is the divine orchestrator. He will lead you into conversation. He will give you the words to say. The Spirit of truth leads us into all truth. But there is a moment for us all as followers of Jesus and some of us might not be able to put your exact finger on it, but when we were born again, when we were born of the Spirit, and that's the Spirit's first work as followers of Jesus, birthing us, making us new, giving us life. And this is outlined in John 3, verses 3 to 7. I'm going to read it for us. If you note it down, you can take a look at it later on. It says this. This is Jesus um, speaking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, one of the religious elite. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. What does this mean for us? How do we understand this simply? Well, the truth is, the Bible make it, makes it so, so clear that we might be physically alive. When we're born, we're physically alive. The flesh is alive, but spiritually, we are dead. Apart from Christ, outside of Christ, outside of being born of the Spirit, spiritually, we are dead. At the beginning of Ephesians 2, we read, this is Paul writing, As for you, past tense, talking to the church in Ephesus, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. In Christ, through the Spirit, he causes us 
to have life. This is why it's called born again. We are born, yes, of the flesh, but when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we are born anew. There is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. He births us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is, this is such good news. It's such good news that you were once dead, but you can have life in him. He desires that none should perish. He desires that none should be separate from him. The Greek for born again in John 3, literally translated means born from above. Wow, a powerful idea and holds connotation of being God's children, born of God. As his children, this is what the Spirit does. Something that we could never earn, something we could never do in our own right, something all of our works could never amount to because it is the birthing, a new life that only the Spirit brings. When we say Jesus Christ is Lord and we invite him to be Lord of our life, the Spirit comes and gives us new life. Wow, the first work of the Holy Spirit because of that, Paul can write, we are citizens of heaven. We are born from above. We have become part of God's family. Whenever there is a natural birth, think of Davy and Beth and baby Joy. They are born into a family. And when we are born again of the Spirit, we are born into the family of God. We become children of God. We've got Joy Birch, but Joy, when she gives her life to Jesus Christ, she becomes a child of God. And the same for each and every one of us as we make a decision to follow Jesus. We are born into God's family, and that is exactly the first point I want to make today. Really crystal clear, the Holy Spirit births us as sons and daughters. Sons and daughters that we are children of God. And it's a common misconception that humanity, that all of us as humanity are children of God. In one sense, yes, we have Father, Creator, but actually, the Bible describes humanity before they come into this relationship as enemies of God, as enemies of the cross, not described as children. It's a nice idea for us to have, but it's not the truth. We are enemies of God. We are enemies of the cross. But God's heart breaks at that reality. He desires that none should perish, that none should be apart from him. He, he hates the idea that people are walking around looking for significance and acceptance and security that is only to be found in him. Because that only comes when we walk as children of God. When we walk with our creator, as created beings designed to walk with our creator. In the creation story in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, what did he do? He walked with them. He desired to be close. Jesus himself makes this really clear. In talking to his disciples in John 14, at the end of this passage, verse 18, he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, Jesus won't leave us as orphans for two reasons. You can see the rest of it there. He's talking of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the paraclete, as Pastor Esther talked about last week. Can be translated as friend, powerful. But Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he will not leave us as orphans for two reasons. Number one, because he is coming back. We are born of the Spirit and he is coming back. But are we left on our own between that time? No. He sends the advocate, the paraclete, the friend, one that will be with us for eternity. The Holy Spirit comes and testifies that we are sons and daughters and helps us to walk in that reality. I want to briefly turn us to Paul's explanation of this that we find in Romans 8. If you come along to Student Connect, 
we unpacked this verse a few weeks ago, these verses, and it's so, so powerful. Romans 8, verses 14 to 16, it says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit testifies that we are God's children. Church, there is nothing like this. Nothing on earth could ever compare to the reality of walking as a son and daughter of God, as a child of God. We are no longer slaves to the fear that once held us. We, we step into every blessing, every inheritance that Jesus himself had. We step into every spiritual blessing. We walk in peace instead of despair. We walk in peace instead of anxiety. We can have hope instead of placing hope in things that are always changing and always going to let us down. We have a common denominator, something that will never change, one that is steadfast and immovable. That is our God. And that is what we step into as God's children. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. When we walk in the reality of being sons and daughters of God, we don't have to go back to that. We have a choice that we can turn away. We can, we can through the Spirit, be set free from our sin. Through the Spirit, we can be set free from our shame. Through the Spirit, we can be set free from condemnation. That's what it means to be a child of God, to know Him as Father. I love that God offers to adopt us because adoption means that he chose us. Natural birth, you don't choose which baby is born. When I was born, my parents, maybe they wanted to swap me at the hospital, but they had no choice. They were born, oh, it's a boy, we're gonna call him Luke. They, they, they got the hand they were dealt. But God, through the process of adoption, what happens is you choose the child. The parent chooses the child. And that's so important for some of you to catch today. In Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, you are chosen. Chosen by God. Nothing you could do would earn that, but just by his sovereign grace and by his hand, you are chosen of God. And the Spirit brought about this adoption to sonship, which just means that we are sons and daughters. It brought about your adoption as a son and daughter. Wow. If we can grasp this, if we can understand some of this, it will change the way that we live our life. I am not just Luke Williams, son of Richard and Andre, but a son of the Most High, a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want my life to reflect that. Through the Spirit, I have been born again into another family, a royal family. Wow. And it is not just for me. That truth is for you. The Holy Spirit testifies we are sons and daughters, but the truth is that wherever the Spirit of God is, wherever the Holy Spirit is present, there is action. It's not just about us knowing. For us in Christ, he wants us to know that tremendous reality that we are children, that we are loved by him, but he also wants us to walk in that reality. He wants us to walk our daily lives knowing and living out that we are sons and daughters, becoming more and more like our Father, Walking out family likeness. Firstly, 
I want to briefly touch on five areas really, really quickly that the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk as his children, to live in the reality of sons and daughters. And the first point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in proximity with God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk closely and in personal relationship with God. From Romans 8, in the verses we have just read, we read a profound statement that can easily be passed over. It says this, verse 15, And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now this word Abba is an Aramaic word. And translated in our Bibles, it means Father. But a more apt and close translation would be literally one of such deep intimacy. Connotes of the relationship. It would be more like Dad. Oh, dear, dear Father, one of closeness and intimacy. And this word Abba is only used three times in the Bible. It's never used in the Old Testament to refer to God. It is used three times in the New Testament, twice in this context, that we can cry out Abba Father. And the only other person that could ever cry this, the only other person that would have such intimacy was Jesus himself. The only other person that could cry this was Jesus. As he cried out in the garden, Abba, Dad, wow. We have the same privilege as Jesus Christ. That we can cry out to God as our dad. When it says by him we By him we cry, it's not referring to Jesus here. It's not referring to the religious elite. It's not referring to those that have it all together. It's not referring to those that have already been glorified and stand before the throne. It's referring to us, believers in Jesus Christ right here on earth, ones that have been born of the Spirit. By him we cry, Dad, we can have that proximity. The way you address someone always reflects your relationship with that person. And we would not allow to be do this if God did not desire proximity with us. Church, it can be something we hear so often that it loses its impactfulness. It loses the way in which it, it impacts our soul. If we said this to other world religions, it would be heresy. They too, like Christians, know and understand God to be holy, but never could we come close. Never could and never should we have proximity And the truth is we don't deserve that, but through Christ, by the Spirit, we can. God designs us to walk in that. I love that. Knowing more and more the closeness of my father, being able to call out to my dad, know him as one that walks with me and is concerned with every detail of my life. He's not like an earthly father. Some of you are trying to compare it to an earthly father. He's nothing like that. He will never change. His love is is never changing. His love is faithful forever and endures. His faithfulness reaches to the sky and his love to the heavens. As the psalmist writes, this is the father that we can come close to. We can know God through the spirit. Ephesians 1, 17. When we talk of proximity, Paul prays this. May the glorious father give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. Wow. Wow that we can know God better. This talks of proximity. The Spirit not only helps us to know God, but helps us to pray. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit not only gives us access, but cries out for us on our behalf, teaches us how to pray and what we should say, who we should pray for. 
Invite the Holy Spirit into your prayer life. It will change it. It will change it. So often when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of fruit or power straight away, but that's not where it begins. It begins with closeness and proximity. Because out of proximity, out of our abiding in Christ, there flows fruit, there flows power. Out of that can love flow through us because we are close to the source of all of that. It is about proximity and the Spirit brings us into that. And Jonathan, in our final week of this series, is going to unpack that a little bit more as he talks about life in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us to walk in proximity. And secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in God's purpose. As one's born of the Spirit, one's as his children, God has good works prepared for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has good works for you. I only do that to just see if you're awake. We are God's handiwork created in Christ. This is Ephesians again. To do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. As his children, we can walk in kingdom purpose. He desires that you would make an impact for his kingdom. His purposes are brimming with life. That your life would affect and touch others and bring life in their life said life so many times, got confused. In Romans 8, 14, we read of those being led. Those being led by the Spirit are children of God. And it is about a daily walking, a closeness, like we said, proximity. Galatians 5 talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. And when we walk and are led, when we walk and keep in step, we begin to walk in the purposes of God. Those very good works, we can see them begin to unfold in our lives as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, I saw this as a reality in my life so clearly when I was 18 years of age in my final year of sixth form. I began to seek God about my future and and the Holy Spirit began to challenge me. The Holy Spirit just began to challenge me on my motivation. I'd applied to study history. I, I wanted to be a history professor, you know, write some books drink coffee or, you know, just rock up late, not do a whole lot of work. That's what I really wanted to do. Sorry if you're a history professor. I was lazy. I was lazy. Or maybe if that didn't work, history's a good degree. I could maybe work for one of the big four, get in and an internship, earn a lot of money. But as I had this plan, I surrendered it to God and God began to challenge me. The Holy Spirit came and asked me a few questions. Asked me about my motivation in this. And I... I couldn't answer with integrity. The reason I was doing this is because I wanted to stay safe. This was a safe bet for me to do history. I was good at it. I could do it. I wanted to be master of my own destiny. I wanted to earn money. I wanted to be comfortable. And the Holy Spirit came and challenged me and said, are these things godly? Are these things of God? Are these things of me? And I was like, no. And I began to go on a journey of laying this down to God and say, God, there is no life in this. Okay, I agree. But Lord, I want to follow your purposes because that is where life is. I don't want to walk in a dead place. For some of you, it might be history. I'm not knocking history. But for me, I knew it wasn't. The Holy Spirit challenged me and said, there is more, Luke. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to surrender your future to me? 
And so I was in my final year of sixth form. I'd applied. I got my offers to study history at different universities. And the night before my deadline, after grappling with the Lord for months and months, I made a decision. And I rejected all of my university offers. I made a decision. I said, God, your life is not in this. I don't have a peace about this. God, I will not go where you are not. I want to follow and walk in your purpose. I woke up the next morning with such a peace in my heart. In a worldly sense, that makes no sense at all. Some of you are thinking, you are stupid. This is why you're preaching. You could have been in a lecture hall. But this is where I'm meant to be because the life of God was there. And during that time, then the, the, the Lord orchestrated that I did a voluntary year here at church. And during that season, I began to discern through the Holy Spirit, I could see that his purpose for my life, I began to see more and more that there was a call of God on my life. That he called me to preach the gospel. And I was like, God, I don't know what this looks like. And I had an application for Bible school on my desk. I thought, preach the gospel, Bible school makes sense. And I had this application and still the peace of God. The Holy Spirit said, no. I was like, no, please. Anything, give me something. I can't be a volunteer at church for the rest of my life, God. No offense, guys. And I continued on this, but I was just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the proximity in that season of my life, the, the sweetness of relationship, I would not exchange it for anything. I would not exchange it for anything. The big decisions, the daily decisions. So I didn't go to Bible school. And in September, when people are asking you at the beginning of your voluntary year, what are you doing next year? You can say with confidence, I'm just trusting God. By the time it gets to April, oh, I'm just trusting God. It is painful. I didn't know what was coming, but I had a peace and an assurance that God had it in hand. Little did I know that in the April of that year, Pastor Dom and a team would come over. The Holy Spirit would speak to them. They invited me out, and I went out for 15 months, fully sponsored to go to Singapore and train in ministry. Over 20,000 pounds was invested in my life, all because the Holy Spirit came and directed and guided my life into his purpose and his plan. Yeah, let's give him praise. Incredible. In Singapore, I was shaped and molded as a minister, continue to be. My heart was set on fire for the gospel, and I understood it to be the very power of God. I began and understood our God to be the one who is a worker of miracles in an incredible way. I saw things that I would have never have seen before, and I walked in that reality. It was incredible. Church, I just want to encourage you to follow the Holy Spirit into the purpose that he has for you, because it's kingdom purpose. And his purpose is unselfish. If we follow the flesh, it's going to always be selfish. It's going to be about self-preservation and my comfort and my preference. But there is no life there. You might live a safe and comfortable life, but you won't be filled with the life of God. There won't be joy there. Follow that gentle voice of the Holy Spirit that will say, come on. There's life here. The purpose of God, when we follow the Holy Spirit... Other people are going to live because kingdom purpose is kingdom is about the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes to a life, there is life there. This is what it means to walk in the purpose. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk in the purposes of God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in purpose. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in holiness. In 1 Peter 1.16, it 
Peter is quoting Leviticus here. He says, be holy as I am holy. This is God speaking. And it's a call for all people, all followers of Christ to continue to be holy. And as Christians, we must decide to become more like Jesus in his goodness and his holiness. The only one who is holy is God. And the only example we have that lived a holy life is God himself incarnate on earth was Jesus Christ. So when we talk about being holy, we're talking about looking more and more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do this. We have power over sin, Romans 8, 13. But it's not only just not about doing good and having freedom from sin, it's about the good that we bring. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in our life. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And note that it's not about the fruit of Luke. It's not about the fruit of Martin or Esther. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So what is my job? My job is not to bear fruit. My job is to remain. My job is to walk in proximity with God. Because through that, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, with him, we will bear fruit. With him, we can do all things. Wow. God desires that we would look more and more like Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in this reality. The power over sin, the power to do good. John 17, verse 17 says this. I'm going to bring two verses up here. It says this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus praying here. Sanctify them. This is of his disciples. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. And previously in John 16, 13, talking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we have the word, which is truth. And then We've got the spirit of truth. Now the truth is that the Bible is the only book that you will ever read that you need to have the author present. And the author is present inside of you. When we read the Bible, it is the Holy Spirit that brings it to life. He leads us to truth. Something that we read will just stand out and jump out to us. It's not about information. It's about revelation of God that we can apply to our life and will transform us. Invite God into your Bible reading. This book will sanctify you. The word sanctify means to make holy or set apart. And when we read this with a spirit of truth who lives inside of us, the word will do its work. The Holy Spirit will come and help us to surrender to the truth in here. It is hard to swallow, guys, sometimes. It is difficult I often call God's kingdom the upside down kingdom because his ways are not the world's ways. And he flips everything. The first shall be last. But if we want our lives to become more like Jesus, we've got to submit to the truth in this word. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we are empowered to do that. By the Holy Spirit that we live in that. The Bible is brought to life when the Holy Spirit comes. Dr. John Andrews uses the phrase that is the only book that contains the breath of God, that brings life to all of the dead places. The Holy Spirit leads us to truth and helps us live surrendered to that. 
The truth is, church, if it remains an academic exercise or an intellectual exercise, when we read this book, the enemy is won. If it remains a nice idea, but is never brought out and walked in reality, the enemy is won. But when we walk in the reality of God, when we become more like Jesus, when we invite the Holy Spirit in to make it more than an academic exercise, we see the life of Jesus Christ come. I don't know about you, but I want to look more like Jesus. I want to walk in holiness. I'm not saying it's easy, guys. I'm not saying any of us are there yet. But we've got to surrender to the truth in this word and surrender and yield to the working of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in holiness. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit empowers the church to walk in unity. We've got individuals in the family. We're born into this new family, born again. And we've got individuals in the family and the Holy Spirit comes. What does he do? He convinces us of truth, convicts us of sin. So there's going to be some brokenness. The Holy Spirit's going to be convicting us and he's going to bring us on a journey to wholeness if we let him. But what does that mean? Church is full of people that are not yet perfect. We're becoming like Jesus, but we're not there yet, right? And where there is people, there are problems. There's the phrase, hurting people hurt people. And we're all dealing with some stuff. And so that means that there is a great capacity for people to hurt one another, even in church. You might be like, shocked, wow, I never knew that. But we are not there yet. I love the phrase that church is not a museum for the whole or the perfect. It is a hospital for the broken. And that's true. We come in and we're being renewed by Jesus. But that means there is great capacity for disunity and pain. And Paul writes in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Why the unity of the Spirit? Because it is the Spirit that breaks down pride. It is the Spirit that allows us to receive a comment and think the best of it. It is the Spirit that allows us to have compassion towards our brothers and sisters. It is the same Spirit that allows us to cry, Abba, Father, meaning we are all of the same Spirit, born of the same Spirit. We might not fully get along. We might not have everything in common, but the Jesus in me sees the Jesus in you. It is the unity of the Spirit. It is only through fruit of the Spirit that we can be patient with one another and kind and carry joy even when our season shows that we shouldn't be carrying and walking with joy, that we should be grumpy and stressed. We can walk in joy. That is how how we will hold unity of the Spirit. This is so important because church, in 1 John, we hear that by this, the world will know we are followers of Jesus, our love for one another. When the church is functioning in unity and walking as it should be, the world are going to see something. And it will be incredible. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in unity. Finally, as I come to a close, the final point I want to make today is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk proclaiming. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. In John 15, verse 26 and verse 27, it says this. When the advocate, the paraclete, the friend comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. 
the Spirit of God will testify about me. And you, talking to the disciples, Jesus says, you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The word testify here, it doesn't just mean to tell, it means to not hold back. And that is so relevant in our lives. I know it because for all of us that are believers here, professor and followers of Jesus Christ, we have moments, not where we leave a situation and think, oh, I should have told them. Or I completely forgot. The reality of it is, is that we stand in a situation and we're burning inside. It's like, I need to say something right now. Or we have a prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and speak to someone or say something to someone, even if it's just to strike up a conversation. But our flesh puts it off, lists a hundred reasons why not. But the word is telling us here, do not hold back. The spirit within you, the spirit that you have been birthed by, the Holy Spirit is proclaiming already that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is testifying of it that we are sons and daughters, but he is proclaiming it because he wants others to see it too. And so too should we do the same. We will not hold back. The Holy Spirit empowers us to not hold back. Even in the last few weeks, I've just seen a number of these situations. And one, I was just in town the other week and I was walking through town and there was this guy like, he was a fairly big fella. And I was like, oh, Lord, why have you highlighted this person to me? And then I saw him, he had a big black eye and I thought, this guy's a fighter, man. He's, he's gonna beat me up. But the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and speak to him. I thought, no, no, someone else, a little old lady, please. So I was just obedient. I followed it. I, I, I trust him. I trust him. I went. I said, oh, hello, mate. He was like, what do you want? I was like, okay, sorry. And usually when you say, oh, I'm just from a local church, people like become armed, you know, like activated, like ready to fight back. But I said, oh, I'm just from a local church. I just felt like I needed to speak to you. And he went, wow. He said, I, that's amazing. I, I really need to... To hear, hear that, I said, what, what happened to your eye? I said, uh, and he said, um, it's his first three days in Coventry. He's a student. Freshers, don't worry about this story. You'll be safe. First three days in Coventry, and the night before, he got mugged. Everything was taken from him, and he was beaten up. And I had opportunity in that moment to, to proclaim who my Jesus was and, and what he could be in his life. And I just had, got a chance to gently pray. He didn't give his life to Jesus there and then but I got a chance to witness, witness of my Savior and who he is. Speak some hope and life to a dead situation. This guy, he wanted to leave. It's his first year of three years. He wanted to leave. He could look like a strong guy, but his heart was bra breaking. You might see people around you and think, they're all right, they don't need this. Let me tell you, they do. They are dying. They are enemies of God. It's not just about life on this earth. It's about life eternal. And we have that, the message. Jesus says, I will leave peace with you. The world is longing for peace. We have the answer. We have the comforter inside of us, and they can know that too. The Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim. Be a witness. Do not hold back. I've grown in this. It's still something I'm challenged to do when I'm on my day off or when I'm feeling lazy and I'm out somewhere in a public space. I always kind of like look down so the Holy Spirit can't speak to me. <laughs> yeah, he can still speak. But the truth is our hearts need to be broken again. Let the Holy Spirit testify in you. 
Let him witness that Jesus is Lord, but there is a dying world out there and you hold the answer to life. You hold the answer to life. My challenge to you, some of us are chasing after experience with the Holy Spirit. We're longing. You think about this Empowered series, yeah, yeah, man, I so want to experience God. Let me tell you, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, I dare you to tell someone about Jesus. Tell someone about Jesus and see how you will experience the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, we read that power will come on you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be what? My witnesses. We will receive power and this can look like different things for different people. Maybe it's just the power to begin praying for a relative. Maybe it's the power to actually just begin talking to your colleagues, something a bit deeper. Not allowing them to control the conversation but asking a few deeper questions. Maybe it's the power to just share your story. But actually, we want to work towards power to share the truth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim. Let me invite the band up as I close this morning. Jesus' closing command to his disciples is found in Matthew 28. And he commands them to go and make disciples of all nations. And before he goes, he says, wait in Jerusalem because there is a gift coming, something that you will receive. And we see that gift in the form of the Holy Spirit. It is only by the Spirit that we have power to witness, power to proclaim. And I wanna encourage us, let us be a people that are not selfish with the good news. Let us not hold it so tightly that we can't share with others. My challenge to you this week is to tell someone about him. Tell someone about him. It's, It's hard, it's uncomfortable but the Holy Spirit will give you boldness. It will give you confidence. Can I invite us to stand to our feet this morning? I've thrown a lot at you this morning, but I pray by the grace of God, something will have resonated deep in your hearts. The work of the Holy Spirit is is immense in our lives, and we're gonna look at it in depth over the next few weeks. But I wanna close today where I began by helping us understand that the Holy Spirit begins this work by birthing us anew as sons and daughters. The story of Jesus' baptism always strikes me in the Gospels. Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and he heard the voice of God the Father. And the Father said to him, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. This was the message of the Father before Jesus had gathered his disciples, before he'd done any miracles, before he even went to the cross. The Spirit came and and the Father spoke and said, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. And for some of us, the starting place this morning is just to know and understand the love of God again. To allow the Holy Spirit to testify within us that we are beloved of God. That we are sons and daughters loved by God. Can I invite us to just close our eyes? Maybe you want to position yourself to receive as I pray this morning. As we invite the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come even now to fill our hearts again. Lord, that we might walk as empowered children of God. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would come and testify of the love that you have for us. Of the grace poured out for us. Lord, I pray that every dead place, even in this moment, would come to life. 
Lord, I pray where there is anxiety and fear, we speak now the joy that comes with your presence, oh God. We speak your peace, Holy Spirit. I pray, even as some people have been challenged today by your word, I pray that by your power we can surrender to this. We can yield to your working and hear your voice, Holy Spirit. We want to be people led by you, oh God. We want to be people that walk in proximity, God. So Holy Spirit, we pray, come and help us. Lord, we profess our weakness and we say, God, we cannot do this on our own. But we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, very God himself that comes to empower us. And we speak, would you come now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.